Proverbs 2, 1 through 6. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures, right? Can I, can I just do a side note? Just because I give you a lot of scriptures on Sunday doesn't mean you shouldn't read them during the week. Right? We went through the whole book of Philippians last week and just went, and I'm just, we just got to get back to the Bible and reading the word. Not just his word, but we got to get back to hearing his word and knowing his voice. Proverbs 2, 1 through 6, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight, cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, I want to stop right there. (laughs) That's amazing to me. Then you'll find the knowledge of God? Like, where is that? Where is that treasure? Like, there is, there is a thing called the knowledge of God. What he's saying is, is like, there is the creator of the universe knows things that you can't even comprehend, and God wants to reveal it to you. It's like God's not trying to keep secrets. He keeps them there for you to pursue. It's kind of like on Easter when my mom used to hide the Easter, you know, baskets, as kids, we loved it. it, it they, she could have put them out and we'd have loved it too, but it was the search, it was the pursuit of it that was half the fun. And she never made it more difficult than we could find. Right? Like for me, she put it on the roof. For my younger sister, she put it in the, in the oven or, or in the, you know, somewhere where she would have to find it. You, he knows He knows where to put it in your life so that you will find it if you even try to pursue it. And I, I, like I said this last week, you have to have just a little bit of wisdom to know that you really need wisdom. There's some. What would life be like if we had the knowledge of God? It would be, it would be incredible. James, uh, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who will give it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So I could have you close your eyes and raise your hand, and, and some of you wouldn't uh, do it. But if I asked you, like, do you want wisdom? Like, do you really know how important wisdom is? And say, yeah, I want wisdom. And you know what's amazing about that is God would give it to you. Like God would, it says that he would give it to you, but you have not because you, you have not because you ask not. It says ask. It's right here. It's right here. Here's the difference. Wisdom and knowledge. Here's the difference. Knowledge constructs the Titanic. Wisdom avoids the iceberg. Knowledge constructs a house. Wisdom builds a home. Knowledge understands God, but wisdom walks with God. Wisdom is understanding what's around the corner. And there's so many times where where we think we just know it all that we never ask for wisdom in situations. God, I need wisdom in this. Will you show me? Where God shows you what he can see, but no one else can see. And he says, I want to give it to you. I want you to see it. 
The thesis is wisdom comes from God. Billy Graham said it this way, knowledge is horizontal, but wisdom is vertical. It comes down from him. It comes down from God. You can learn wisdom. You can go to college for, or I'm sorry, you can learn knowledge. You can go to college and get training. But really, wisdom is about this connection with God. It's, it's really, you don't have to be incredibly intelligent to operate in incredible wisdom. Some of you should be saying, that, that was a great place to say amen. <laughs> like, so, so, you know, um, here's, an, here's an example of wisdom. And, and, um, and I was telling, there, I said, it was in my notes, and it just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share this. Parents today, Listen, um, God can give you wisdom for your children if you wouldn't be so insecure about your parenting. Right? You will say, okay, well, I but I've been asking God for wisdom. Yeah, but sometimes God gives you wisdom through parents who have been there before you. Right. <laughs> It, it's, it's like I'm treading on ground right now because you could be offensive to me. That's the problem. Wisdom doesn't get offended with people's opinions. It asks questions of people. It doesn't need to be right. It doesn't need to have all the answers. People of wisdom don't need to have all the answers. People of wisdom are seeking the knowledge of God. They're seeking for your opinions. They want to know what you think. They don't have to prove that they know everything. And, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting is, what, like, um, know, like, you got to know the voice of God. Like, God speaks to you, and he's going to give you wisdom, right? And, and um, as parents, we can be so focused on teaching us, teaching our children, two plus two equals six, Or four. I knew. I knew it. But we never teach them to hear the voice of God. So we teach them knowledge. And knowledge is really a priority in our parenting. But we don't give them wisdom. We don't teach them wisdom. So what if they know two plus two equals four if all they're going to count is the bad decisions they're making in their life? Because we never taught them the voice of God so that they could have wisdom in the decisions that they make. It, it's amazing how much money we spend. Like, and, 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 and I'm going to say this, and it's going to come across, and you're going to be like, oh, there he goes again. But we'll put a priority on him being in school, but not a priority of having them on Awana. And why Awana? Because it's all about teaching them the word of God. It's more important that they get to bed by a certain time so they're ready for school in the morning than that they get the word of God in them, right? Yeah, I'll put up with their crabbiness. Why? Because they, got, they have to get the word. It's important. I'm not trying to be mean or rude, and I'm not, she, she, she just had to go to the bathroom. But, she, <laughs> Sorry, Ava. <laughs> but the, 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 the reality is, 
is how many know what I'm talking about? Like you, they need the word. They need to hear the voice of God. And someone needs to say it where we stop and say, you know what? That's true. And maybe it's not a one, but are you teaching them the word? I, a very, I, I was blessed to have a father that said, you know what? You need to know the voice of God at a very young age. He would say, son, what is God telling you? Because kids should know. This is amazing. Like, we'll put them in things that they're not. We'll let them watch movies that the world says they're not ready to watch. But we won't encourage them to fast. We won't encourage them to go to a prayer meeting. It's, it's, it's amazing how we, we put ratings on what spiritual things our kids can do. But we, we don't care about this side of it, what they, we expose them to. Somebody with me this morning or am I all by myself, right? Like kids can do incredibly more than you think, but they need to know the voice of God at a young age. Because if they know the voice of God, what does it open the door to? Wisdom. And what do you want them to have in high school when their friends are all telling them they should go over to this party where there's not just alcohol and drugs, but there's other things going on that are going to have an eternal effect in their life. Here's growing trend, and it really is growing trend, where we're learning more in human understanding and knowledge than recognizing the divine for the need for divine wisdom. We need divine wisdom. Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Because <laughs> we all could put a picture to it, and maybe we look at it in the mirror every day. Like we think we're smarter than we are and we're like more crafty than we are and, and all we are is being foolish. There are times when that's me. I'm the man that thinks he's wise in his own eyes. And there's more hope for a fool than for me. Maybe that's you. Proverbs has 31 chapters. The first nine make a case for wisdom. Every man should read, every man in here should read chapter 5 and 7. And then from chapter 10, the Proverbs actually begins from that point on. And in Proverbs, there are four characters that are mentioned in Proverbs. I'm going to go through the four, and then I'm going to give you three declarations. The first character that is mentioned is the simple person. This is a person, not only a person that is wise, but, but that, that is not wise. He's the person that no one told him. They're just clueless. They're naive. They're ignorant. I only went there because I didn't know any better. Proverbs calls it 7-7. I saw among the simple. I noticed the young men and the youth had no sense. Usually this is young people, people who haven't experienced a lot in their life. They just don't know. And so they do unwise things because they just don't know. And if you're young in this room, you don't need to be unwise because you're young. Why? Because the scripture says, if you ask God, he will give you wisdom. If you're young in this room, you more than anyone should be asking God for wisdom. Saying, God, I'm young. I haven't experienced it. But I'm, I want to know, uh, how do I handle this situation so I don't make mistakes that will affect my future? You know, in the words of the great theologian, Taylor Swift, When you're 15, when you're 15, somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them, right? 
When you know, when you're 15, there's only one thing that guy wants, and there's a whole witness of people saying, no, don't do it, right? Um, Back in Michigan, there was a young man married with three kids. His wife and kids were going out of town, and uh, they they were going to be gone for two weeks. And he had come into my office because he wanted to talk to me. His name was Nick. He wanted to talk to me about something. And I said, what are you going to do with all this time? And he told me a little bit of his plans. And he said, well, what are you doing today or tonight? Or, or tonight, I think it was. And he said, well, I have, I have to work. And I'm meeting with someone um, uh, to work tonight. So we're going to work probably late tonight. And I said, really, who are you meeting with? Now, I had no reason. I have no idea why I kept asking questions. Like, so what, you're working, whatever. But I, for some reason, I just kept asking questions, only to find out he was working with another woman from work. And I said, Nick, don't make that mistake. Don't do it. Don't do it, Nick. Don't do it. He's young, though. He's an old pastor, thinking I'm extreme, like many of you think sometimes. Pastor, you're extreme. That's extreme. That's extreme. You're a pastor, so you're supposed to say that. So I'm going to keep going out to lunch with this woman by ourselves, and you're going to tell me I'm extreme, and I'm going to tell you be more wise than that. You know, I actually brought someone with me to meet with the mayor of Ridgefield one time, and she was offended that I would bring someone with me. I don't care. I don't meet with women alone for lunch. You say, but the world is, but I don't live in the world. I live in a new kingdom called the kingdom of God. And there's boundaries I put in place in my life. And that may be extreme to those living in the kingdom of the world, but I'm not living by their principles. And you know what he did? He went and spent night that night working with her and had an affair. Even when, hours before that, I told him, don't go there. Don't do that, Nick. God always puts people in your life on the road to destruction saying, don't go down that road. Don't go there. The road ends. There's no bridge. It ends. It's bad. And the, and the simple just keep going, thinking it's extreme. They should keep their mouth shut. See, there's an amen. <laughs> and she's young. Great wisdom in the mouths of young. We all need people in our lives that are speaking into our lives. This is why if you're not a part of a small group, can I just be bold to say you're simple-minded? Because if you think you can walk this Christian life without other people in your life, a small group of people that you meet with on a weekly basis that you're intimately tied to. And when I say that, I mean, there's different intimacies. I'm talking about where they know who you are. They know some of your struggles and they're there, not as accountability, but as someone, because accountability is after you do it. I don't believe in trying to make you feel good after you. I believe let's keep you from doing it. Right? You need people in your life that prevent you from going down that road, that stand with you. And that's why it, you, really, you really are being simple-minded if you think you can walk this life without having people in your life. There's a story of a pastor told me uh, about when he was in another country. He had been speaking to a number of people, and the pastor from, I think it was Thailand, uh, that had brought him there. 
uh, he tells this story about how they were getting ready to leave. They, they knew they needed to leave right then to get to the airport so they can be there in time. And they get in a cab and they get all their stuff in the cab. And this pastor who'd brought them to Thailand came running out and said, Pastor, Pastor, you come, come with me. I need you to come with me. And they said, no, actually, we got to get to the airport. We're already pretty late. Text me. We'll talk on phone. And he said, no, 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 Pastor, please come talk to me. And he's like, no, 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 we're late. I will call you. I want to get home. I don't want to miss our flight. It just, it will, it will. He said, no, Pastor, you need to get out and come with me. And at that point, this pastor in the car, thinking he was better than the person said, I, he became very angry with him. But we got out of the car and we got our stuff out. And he said, I, my attitude was just very poor because he was just being so demonstrative about this. And he gets up there and, and the, the cab drives away. And he says, now, what is it that's so important that I'm going to probably miss my flight? He says, oh, pastor, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He goes, that was a fake cab. He goes, a fake cab? What's a fake cab? He goes, they're not a cab. Those people would have taken you out to the jungle, would have beat you up and killed you and took all your stuff. In that moment, he realized how simple he was. You don't know what you don't know. Like you can watch this right here and you don't know what you don't know. You think, we think we know it all until you discover you don't know it all. Until you find out that there is something real. Like we think we know all about certain things. And then, and then we realize, no, no, I didn't know it. I didn't understand it because we're simple. There's, there's this great lie, and this is interesting. This is something the Lord actually just, just dropped in my heart this week. You can take Taylor Swift off. I can't believe I left her up there that long. <laughs> Here's the great lie right here. Here's the great lie. I am the person that I am today because I walked down those roads. <laughs> You're sitting there going, but I am. Right. But that's what the devil wants you to think. That it was good you walked down those roads of destruction. It was good because look at how you turned out. And look how great it is. And look at how many people. So walking down those roads will actually serve, serve me well. That is, that is a testimony of God's grace. But here is the true statement. Here is the real, the true statement that never gets finished. Yeah, you could say that statement. Is it not on the screen? There's a, there's a, is it not up there? Put it up there. The, the, I am the person I am today because I walked down those roads, okay? That statement is never followed up with this statement. Think of the person you'd be if you had heeded wisdom and never walked down those roads. Think of the battles you would have never had to fight. Think of the things you could have done had you, you operated in wisdom, had you had wisdom, had you pursued wisdom, the things you would never have had to see or walk through. But the devil wants you to think, oh, if I make a mistake, God will just make it right and I'll be good. Yeah, his glory does that. But there is a sacrifice. There is something that's lost. The cure, cure for the simple's experience. It's time. It says we experience. And when you're in a small group, what's amazing about a small group, you get to learn from other people's experience. I can tell you, I'm far from the greatest husband in the world. I look at some of you and how you treat your wives. I'm like, wow, 
I would love to be like that, right? But can I tell you, marriage counseling has made me a much better husband than I would have been otherwise. There have been times where I'm sitting there and I'm, hmm, and I write something down, do not do this. (laughs) Because I would have made the same mistake as that person, but their mistakes became my victory. It's amazing how small groups, when you hear the discussions, how you learn from other people's and shared experiences can make you incredibly wise and you never had to walk down the road. The second person Proverbs talk about is the fool. The fool knows what to do and still decides to do it. And if this describes you, you aren't going to like this point. Proverbs 10.23 says, A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes because it's fun. They enjoy it. Hebrews says, Sin feels good for a short season and then it bites you. Then it bites you. You know, as parents, you can take this as you want, and this is what I was talking about. Uh, It's amazing. There are a lot of people who will be teachable in a lot of areas, but the moment you try to touch parenting, it becomes this very sensitive thing. It's pretty crazy because the most important thing in a home is parenting your children. Like, like, because you're raising a generation of thinking. Uh, When I was complaining about, I'm a Gen Xer, when I was complaining about a millennial, uh, Gen Zer, uh, more millennial, but Gen Zer, and this was back, I had a whole millennial staff. And one of them said something to me was the wisest thing, I, just very wise. He said, well, pastor, you're the one that raised us. It's true. If you don't like the way the millennials are, guess what? You created them, Right? And when you start to look at it different, you realize that their way of thinking isn't all that wrong. It's just different than the way you think. In fact, you begin to say, it's not wrong at all. It's just different. Come on, millennials. See, that's a great place for millennials to say amen, right? But you you didn't raise them to say amen, apparently. Look at this, Proverbs 13, 20. <laughs> uh, that was mean. Proverbs 13, 20, look what it says. This is, if you're a parent, you're not their friend, you're their parent, right? I, I am, listen, mom and dads, I'm so tired of, well, I'm not gonna tell my kid who they should be friends with. Well, let me give you a proverb for that. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I can tell you right now, there is no way I was going to let my kids have friends that were fools. They were going to have to hide them, if anything. But if we knew they were fools, we didn't let them spend, and rarely did we ever let them go over to someone's house to spend the night, or even to go to the home. Because I'm their parent. I'm going to have a whole lot of influence in the friends they choose, because I understand this this proverb, that Bad company corrupts good character. There's no accident. You know, um, I, had, I had church friends that were really close to me, and they really, you know, there was a lot of development there. And then I had friends from high school 
that were part of like, you know, back in that day, they had rock bands. How many? And they all had long hair. I didn't. I had a mullet. I, I'll, you will never see that picture. Uh, but uh, my parents used to, they, when, when I was being raised, but like my dad and trust, we grew up in a little town called Marquesan, Wisconsin, 1,200 people. And, w- and our house was like 100 years old, but it had a screen door on it where it went, when it shut, how many had a screen door like that? And and in uh, the summertime, you would use the hook to lock it, right? But if someone was going to break in, they'd just take a knife and walk right through the screen, right? But what's the purpose of lock, right? It, it, but you didn't even think about that. You know, you had the trucks come in for the canning factory. It was that kind of community. And, and uh, well, my parents, I was 16 years old. We, my brother and I worked. And so my parents were going on vacation and they were going to be gone for two weeks. And they left my brother and I there. So my brother's 15, I'm 16 and left us at our house alone for two weeks. Some of your parents are thinking, what? And see, that's the problem. That's a problem. That's why we're raising adults at 25. Kids can do way more than we give them credit for. You just got to trust them. I mean, young, they're, they're way more. It's like we don't want them to grow up, right? Anyway, that's besides the point. Anyway, he, he, they, they were going, and when they left, they said, no, he woke me up. He says, James, now you can go to work, and you can, there was a town called Fond du Lac. You can go there. It was a triangle. You're, but you cannot go outside of that triangle. I'm like, okay, 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 whatever. Just leave me alone. It was six in the morning when they left. So leave me alone. So they take off six o'clock in the morning. At 2.30, I get a call from my friend, rock band friends. They want to go to Milwaukee to get a half, Marshall Halfstack. This is a speaker, right? At, at some place in Milwaukee. And I'm the one with the car, right? So they convinced me. Now I, I'm thinking, Sure, my dad and mom are around, he'll never know. So we get in the car, and, and please forgive me, this is when, you know, when I'm a teenager and our brains aren't developed, at, at, right? Until we're 40, they're not developed. <laughs> a- anyway, they... <laughs> Anyway, so, so we get in the car, and we're on 41, which goes to, to Milwaukee. We get on 41. It's two-lane road, highway kind of road. And I'm driving. I have a, this, this car, and the, the Subaru car. And, and we're driving down the, this highway, and we're zipping around. And then we're, we're just goofing off like teenagers, right? And, I mean, I learned how to drive today from those years, right? <laughs> And then we'd sit next to a car for five, 10 miles. And when they would slow down, we'd slow down. When they would speed up, we'd speed up. And we're back in the car's way up. And we think that is funny. Now they get shot. Like, I mean, if you did that, somebody would shoot. We think it's funny because we're teenagers, right? We're goofing around and we're driving and we're getting down the road. We're maybe 20 minutes out of Milwaukee. And I'm just driving nuts. I pull in front of this car behind the semi and whip in the lane. And it scared even me when I did it. And we did it. And they're like, oh. And then I noticed the car behind me did the same thing. So I look in the mirror. And there's someone that looks a lot like my stepmother. Now they left at 6 in the morning. And then I look, look over. And here's my dad with a red face. And I, and I legitimately thought, should I outrun him and pretend it wasn't me? 
I thought, then I thought again and said, he's the one that taught me how to drive like this. There's no way I'm going to do that. So I pull over and he is yelling at me and my friends are all laughing at me. And he said, see those fools in the car? They're laughing at you. They don't care about you, right? So we get in the car. What had happened is their car broke down. They had to get another car. That's why I didn't recognize the car when we went flying by them at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> oh, God is merciful. Right? How many could say that? Can I say this? Every single person in here would be dead today if God didn't show you mercy at some point. You have all done something that you should have killed you, but God's mercy saved you. It's true. It's true. Anyway, we get in the car. He tells me to go right back home. I told you just this morning. He, we get, so we turn around. He takes off. I'm driving back. We get 20 minutes down the road. And this is what fools his friends tell you. Turn around. He'll never catch you. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm not trying that again. Because the mouth of fools will get you in trouble. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? The cure for the fool is tragedy. Every tragedy has a lesson equal in significance to its heartbreak. Then there's the mocker and the scoffer. Proverbs 9, 7 through 8. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs, incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. This is a fool on steroids. They take it to a whole new level. They're the trolls online that just want to debate and have an argument with you. No one can help the mocker because they don't want to have a discussion. They just want to tear you down and hate you. The cure, the only cure for the mocker is God. The only cure for the mocker is God. The fourth character, you have the, the simple, you have the fool, you have the mocker, and the fourth is the wise. This is a person who's smarter, who is smarter or more, is, this is not the person who's smarter or more educated, even live longer. The wise is the person who connects to heaven's understanding. Proverbs 9, 9 says, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. What is the characteristic of a person who is wise? They are teachable. Wise people ask more questions than they make statements. Wise, I have seen wise leaders go to, with incredible experience and success, go to someone who's a novice and just stepped into it and ask more questions of them than they asked of that person. Because the simple thinks they have all the answers, although they know nothing. But the wise realize they don't know everything and they're going to get every answer that you somehow attained that maybe they missed. The wise isn't trying to prove that they know everything. The wise is trying to know more, to understand more. Too many people value their self-reliance and self-independence higher than wisdom. So the summary of the four people is correct the simple and they won't get you. Correct the fool and they'll ignore you. Correct the mocker and they'll hate you. But you correct the wise person and they will thank you. Wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Fear of the Lord doesn't mean we're afraid of God. Fear of the Lord means we revere, we honor 
the words of God. Like we honor the fact that God gives us wisdom. So when I look at God, like I revere him. When he tells me something, I live a life of obedience, not a life of decision. If he says something, I obey. I don't sit there and go, well, I'll think about it and I'll consider whether I should do that or not. No, God, if you said it, I fear the Lord. I reverence the Lord. I honor the Lord. It's not out of frightening where we're afraid of him, but this, this relationship of knowing that he cares for us, that the Proverbs he gives us, quite frankly, are for his good, our good, not his good. Your view of God will determine your relationship with him. It really will. So there are three declarations, and I'm going to go through them quick. Here's the first one. God is awesome. He's amazing. No one like him. It's when we realize he's so big and so great. Proverbs 33, 8 says, Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. Wow. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He's just amazing. Isn't God amazing? That's when when we come to worship him, we just come to worship him because he's amazing. Really doesn't matter what the music is. It really doesn't matter if anyone's worshiping. I'm just coming to worship God because he's amazing. Here's, Here's the second declaration. God is holy. You know, I love contemporary service. I love all the stuff that's there, relaxed dress. I love all of that. The coffee and the donuts or whatever. Apparently, there's a big deal about donuts. (laughs) Make no mistake about it. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And understand this. God owes you nothing. He doesn't owe you anything. He could have just said, I'm not giving you Proverbs. You figure it out. And if you can't, I'll fry you. But that's not who God is. God doesn't owe you anything. If, if you're here and you're not a believer, and you, if God is, he'll show me. No, that's not. See, now you're making it your terms. God says, come to me and I'll reveal it to you. I'll reveal myself to you. Knock and you're, you're, I'll open the door. Seek and you'll find. Like, God is holy. He's set apart. There's no one that can can even come close to him because he's holy. Psalms 99.5 says, Exalt the Lord our God, bow low before his feet, for he is holy. Hebrews 12.28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. There is no one like God. Here's the third declaration. God is right there's this this trend to put God's opinion in the scope of culture watch out devil like like this is this is how we see it and so the word has got to change because our culture is changing God's word never changes right you shouldn't be shocked that the devil will challenge God's word If the culture continues to go the way it's going, you're going to be persecuted. It's historical. It's history. It's how it works. There was someone that said to me a long time ago, he said, well, I don't believe in the Bible and all that stuff because um, I, I don't think man can live in a whale. And I said, yeah, I agree. I agree. 
I agree. Man can't live in the belly of a whale. It's not possible. It's also not possible for man to walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. It's not possible for a virgin to have a baby. Not possible for a man to walk on water. Not possible for a man to be raised from the dead. Not possible for a blind man to see. Not possible for water to become wine. Not possible for 15,000 people to eat five loaves and two fish. Not possible to call fire from heaven and consume a water-soaked sacrifice. It wasn't possible for a lame man to walk in seconds. It's not possible for 10 lepers to be cleansed and healed. It's not possible for depressed people to experience life. That doesn't prove that the Bible is wrong. That proves that the Bible is awesome and supernatural. That's why we believe. It's because what wasn't possible became possible in Christ. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, more pure than gold. They are sweeter than honey, than the honey from the comb. By them his servants warn, and keeping them, there is a great reward. That's the, that's the word that's true. Like, like, there's joy in this. Like, God promises joy. This should be fun. We should enjoy this. And, and, and Proverbs says, fear the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. What's amazing is God doesn't need you to be his savior. He doesn't need you to protect him. You know why? Because your name ain't Jehovah. Your nickname isn't even Savior. You're not the Savior. He is. And his name is Jehovah. And if you're in a place right now where you're struggling with depression or you're struggling with financial issues or you're struggling with health issues or you're struggling with a mental thing and confusion and there's just a lot of things going on in your relationships, I'm here to tell you there is a Savior. There is a Savior. He came and he said, I want to be your Savior. And at some point, you got to live recognizing that I needed saving. So I go to my Savior. He's going to set me free. He's going to do what was impossible. Here's, here's the last bit of wisdom. When I understand what it means to fear God, I can live fearlessly. I can live fearlessly. Will you stand? You need wisdom. Well, how do, I, how do you know that, Pastor? Because <laughs> we all do. Would you recognize you? Do you really, like, do you really know it? Like, like you, when you're thirsty and you need a drink of water and you pursue it, like, I need wisdom. Because when you don't have it, it is scary to make a decision. I've been in that place. And I'm like, God, I can't make a decision because it's scary. I, I know I'm not going to decide right because I need wisdom. If you ask, he'll give it to you.